This week on the Listen for Life podcast, I interviewed Hillary Sample, a speech pathologist, and Dr. Steve Richman, a physician, and the two of them founded CommunicationRescue.com, and through this company, they have built the MedConcerns app that is going to revolutionize how a person with aphasia can get their medical needs met. I don't want to give away too much because I really want you to listen to the episode, but what's exciting about this app is that it is available to everybody for a small investment. You can put it on your tablet. Right now it's available on Apple. It's coming soon to the Google Store, and then there will be a light version that you can check out to see if it's going to be a value to you, the person with aphasia, in being able to communicate exactly what's going on in your body, what it feels like, get the help you need. This app can be used in the hospital, and we're going to hear Steve talk about how he can't go without using it now in the hospital because the app is intuitive. It gives the communication supports necessary for the person with aphasia so that they can get their message across, tell their doctor what they need. There's lots of good stuff in there, so I hope you'll listen to this episode. If you are a subscriber for the Listen for Life podcast series, and you know if you are because you would have gone through dolifespeechpathology.com and signed up in exchange for your email address, you get exclusive content from these episodes. We used to do a transcript, but now we're doing a summary page with all the tangible goodness of each of these episodes. I'm all about giving you the stroke community value. So we're doing summaries now and there can be handouts like I tend to keep making lots of these ebooks and workbooks and other handouts that being a subscriber to, for the Listen for Life podcast, you get access to all those things for free. So please like, listen, subscribe, follow, send me a DM, tell me your story, reach out. I, I like to tease and say send me a smoke signal, but it can get kind of windy here in Austin, so I may not be able to catch your smoke signals. So reach out to me one way or another. Email me directly, hello at dolifespeechpathology.com if I can be of service to you wherever you are in your rehabilitation journey and you have or your loved one has aphasia. Take care. I hope you'll hear some great things in this episode. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Hey, I'm here. Maybe my tech is working this week. Hello, everybody. Let's change my background just in time. Wow. A minute after 11. And I am so excited about today's episode. I have two wonderful people who are changing the world of aphasia with their app. I'm going to let them describe it to you, but I am incredibly impressed about how this app can help those of you with aphasia and your family communicate to your healthcare providers, to your physician, to your speech pathologist, to your family. And it's I'm going to let I'm going to let Mike tell you all about it. Welcome. Hillary Sample and Dr. Steve Richman. Okay, let's see if I can hit the button and get you here. <laughs> oh, go here! Woohoo! Here we are! Hi, Genevieve. Thank okay. you so much for having us. We are very excited oh, to be here. Thank you. I love this. This is so much fun for me. Okay, where do you want to start? Who wants huh? to start? Tell uh -huh. us 
how did med concerns come about? Hmm. Well, yes, sure. There is a story there. I know it. There is a, there is a heck there. of a story. Well, well, Hillary had this idea and approached me one day and said, hey, I want your thoughts or some feedback about this idea. And it was fascinating because I've worked in inpatient rehab for years. I would walk in a patient's room with aphasia and not have any real clue about where to go to get to usefully communicate. And I would leave those visits feeling frustrated, feeling wondering what I missed, wondering what we couldn't accomplish. Um, and Hillary one day just walked in and said, hey, I want your thoughts on this idea. And like these light bulbs are going off. So. I, so I'm a speech language pathologist and you know we work together in the IRH setting. And uh, throughout my experience, I had seen people with aphasia being addressed by medical providers in a compassion and caring way, but without communication supports. And so I continually saw medical assessments that where generally it's like the, they're speaking a different language. The, the person with aphasia and the, the healthcare provider aren't speaking the same language. So I would sit with my patient or the person with aphasia that I was working with after the interaction with their provider, and I would try to replicate the medical assessment to help them clarify their concerns. And then I would report back to the healthcare provider about what I found, and the person was generally able to say a whole lot. Be with communication supports. As we know, people with aphasia have a lot to say, but need support to say it. So I was being trained as a physician. I had training in lots of things, but no training in how to communicate in someone, with someone with communication difficulties or challenges. And early in my practice, I did not know how much someone with aphasia would have thoughts, ideas, things they want to express, because I didn't know of any way to get to it. My dad had a bad stroke, suffered from aphasia, and it became apparent, became very obvious, yeah, there's all these thoughts and ideas you want to express. It takes, takes time, it takes work. And I didn't have that training about how to know to go about it well. So even when I knew, yeah, there's more there, still at work, I didn't have the time and the know-how to know how to go about it. Right. And I didn't know that there was a way in, yeah. until... So with those experiences kind of repeatedly occurring, because as we know, this is the situation that we run into quite a lot. I am not the only SLP to have that experience, I'm sure. So it was, you know, my initial thought was like, do healthcare providers just not want to use the tools? Um, are, they, are they making a, a choice? And quite quickly, I realized that that's not the situation. The situation is a lack of training and awareness about aphasia, a lack of training on communication supports. So approached Dr. Richmond, I had this idea to embed uh, communication supports into a medical assessment, but um, that's two pieces to one thing, the healthcare provider, the medical assessment over here, that's him, and the supportive communication approach was what I was trying to embed. So we really needed a partnership in order to have that happen. So the more conversations we had, we started talking about an app that would do the work for the provider so that if they didn't have training, that wouldn't negatively impact the person right in front of them. That person could still enjoy communication support so that they could have access to healthcare. Yeah, Love it. Yeah. So this is an app. I'm pulling it up on my iPad. The, the mm -hmm. one downside of this live platform, it's not like Zoom where I can plug in and like demonstrate yeah. it. So oh. I'm literally going to hold it up. Uh, we don't need, okay. And we have, we have if anybody's interested, we have introduction oh, yeah. videos on our YouTube site. Just go to Communication Rescue Services YouTube platform and we'll have, we have introductory videos on that and on our website so that they might be able to see. And I'm going to link to all of those. So just to remind the audience, we do these live shows this week. And then this show, all the content goes to the Listen for Life podcast. That's my podcast. And we're over 40 episodes there. We've been doing that a lot longer nice. than we've been doing this. So, but in the show notes, I'm going to link to all your videos, everything. I've actually got your flyer. I'm going to go ahead and pop it up yeah. right here. Let's see how yeah. this looks. So I did upload mm -hmm. this, but I couldn't upload a video. Uh, so, so this is the Med Concerns app. And if anybody's watching and you want to use the camera on your phone, you can scan that QR code and go check it out on your favorite mm -hmm. platform. It's on Apple and Google Play. 
It almost. is almost on Google Play. So it's iOS versions are available now. We we are working on a, a pretty large update that contains a lot of a lot more options for concerns and for communicate uh, communicating basic needs. You know, just your everyday need um, using the embedded supports that we have in there. So. Android version is getting all those wonderful updates too, and then we'll be going live. But we do have a light version coming right. in very, so, very soon. So you can Yay. play with it for free and at least see what it's about and see like, oh, I can see how this is helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you mentioned the videos. We do have videos that help talk you through it, but you don't have to go that way. You could literally pick it up and start poking, pushing at the buttons and figure out pretty darn well. We try to make this as, as intuitive as we can. Yeah, so I'm gonna hold it up here. Let's see. Ooh, okay. So we've got some pictures on here. This is my fancy tech. So I'm just gonna push a button. And so what I love about it is that the pictures are easy to see, the buttons are easy to tap on. If that's an issue, whatever the issue may be, it walks the person with aphasia very intuitively through the process and what happens once all those inputs are in there then what happens at the end there's a summary page which is really nice it, it gives you a summary of this is how i felt this is my main complaint these are some descriptors of my complaint this is how often it happens and it's all there in one page which you can save if you want for the future or you could show it to your provider or if you're a provider working with the patient regularly you could save it today's and look at it again next week to see how things have changed but it gives you a summary page, which is really nice. And go ahead. Oh, I was in there. Just to um, kind of talk about the flow of the app, because um, right off people might not know, you're presented with a concerns page that has your just those things that you might be needing to address with your healthcare provider, breathing problems, pain, bowel problems, urination, vision, hearing, so on and so forth. The list is going to go on and on with our update too. But you press the concern that's bothering you then you're presented with sub symptoms. So if you if you do hit breathing, um, what are the things that might be presenting? Shortness of breath, what else do we have? Heavy, and we have um, cough. And yeah, have cough and so on and so forth. You press one of those and it keeps on going until you've been able to clarify the concern. And as we know, with communication supports, we are required to validate or verify the response, excuse me. So we have embedded that into the app so that you hit something and it automatically gives you a confirmation page to make sure that that's what you intended to say so that you can repair if you need to. And then if you say yes, it goes on to the next. And then if you say no, it takes you back. And I want to talk more about those confirmation pages because when we were first putting this app together, Hillary kept wanting to put in these confirmation pages. I just didn't get it. <laughs> and I kept thinking, you know, what is waste of time? Why are we doing this? And I finally, it, the light bulb clicked. She said it uh, clearly, it just took me a little while. And when you have issues with aphasia and your communication skills are not where you want them to be, it's hard to communicate. It's hard to say with communication skills, no, that's not what I meant, go back. Mm -hmm. And those confirmation pages have become one of my favorites as I see them get used. Yeah, you don't get um, all the way to the summary page and then everybody's like, oh no, that's not what I meant from the very start. <laughs> you can repair right. as you go. Yeah. But part of this whole situation has been Dr. Richman is a healthcare provider that can hopefully inspire, or I, I see his potential for inspiring other healthcare providers to have an open mind and a learning mind about aphasia because these were things he didn't know. He didn't know that we verify responses for this reason. He caught on quickly because he's smart, but it wasn't part of his training. So yeah. this has been, it's been really cool to watch him learn about aphasia and implement those supports readily as soon as he gets that knowledge and that gives me hope about healthcare providers too just like it is a it's a situation about training so so if we can just demonstrate what's possible which i think the app does that too um, then people can see so, so much more potential for communication and participation in their healthcare and for people with aphasia in their healthcare experience yeah, yeah. One of the things I love about the fact that we have concerns and sub-concerns is it lets you get at things that are, are so hard to say when you don't have the vocabulary to say it. Right. And I guess that's our big goal. Yeah, yeah, it is our goal. And and also back to it being intuitive, this is another goal of ours. So we didn't want some so training is a barrier. Dr. Richmond didn't have training, which is why he didn't have necessarily that interaction going on that he now has with, with the people he works with beyond just aphasia, but any communication barrier. So 
because not ever the vast majority of healthcare providers don't have training. They weren't given education about aphasia to the extent that they also were able to be guided on communication supports. Uh, you know, that's a barrier to communication supports being utilized in the healthcare setting. So we wanted to do something that could just like I said before, help the next person without trying to start at the very beginning and change the whole system. It's that's big and that takes time and it's essential and hopefully is occurring. And I see it is occurring slowly, but that takes time and the person right in front of us can't afford to wait. And that's why our goal was to make it so that the training, the training for to help the next person wasn't required because the tools were embedded so that there's no waiting for that person. They can get what they need. And that was really important for us. So it's not hard to use. You pick it up and um, maybe there's, you were doing a training yesterday. What was your experience? Yesterday I was talking to a, a brain injury support group at our hospital about aphasia and a bit about and um, communicating with aphasia. And we did an exercise where I said, let's, let's assume that you have aphasia to the point where you can only say yes or no. And you want to express these things. And we talked about a couple of things and the difficulties. And then I, and I said, okay, let's say you wanted to express that you're short of breath or you're depressed. There were two of the examples we used. And, and people you know, did some, at first people thought I meant you can only use vocalizing and that didn't go very far. And then we moved in, you know, okay, use some body language, use some gestures, use some, and some drawing that went a little bit further. And it was fascinating. Then when I passed out our app and no training, I said, here's, you know, here's some pictures yeah. that might help. So no training at all. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And, and there were four tables and three tables did beautifully. They used it great. The fourth table didn't know how to use an iPad. So, so I realized, okay, we have to teach this person how to use an iPad. So it was, it was interesting. Our only training barrier was how to use the technology, not how to use the app. And I was thrilled to see that, okay, for most of us that have some experience with technology, we're, we're okay. And then as we know, because um, I've run into this with uh, people that I'm working with in the, in the healthcare setting, uh, then what we just do is show them what they do with their finger, kind of point as we do, like kind of make a choice between these concerns and, and tap. And once they get that part down and they are able to tap, there's nothing more required. It's tapping. So now we don't have to have all the communication support training, just tap. Like we just need to learn that piece. So if the barrier is technology, then then it's fairly simple for someone who's able to learn that in the moment to, to have access. Sure. So once our elderly lady had idea to tap, she did better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing though from yesterday's training was, or the yesterday's talk that I gave, one of the people talked about how when she would go with her spouse to doctor's visits, the spouse would always talk. And Hillary and I have talked a lot about how with aphasia, yes, of course, your loved ones want to be helpful and they try to be helpful, but they don't always know what's actually in your mind. So they may or may not be as helpful as they think they are. And she was excited about, hey, with this, I could better promote myself. Yes. And that was, Advocacy. I was working with a person with aphasia the other day and their communication partner had voiced concern about the person's confidence. But I had, I was noticing that probably 80 to 90% of all communication was being done immediately by the communication partner. She cared so much. She loved this person so much that she wanted to make sure that they that whatever was voiced was voiced clearly, um, but didn't necessarily give them an opportunity to experience communication success. So part of my evaluation was to kind of separate that and see what we can do alone. And the confidence of that person with aphasia went up just by having an opportunity to, to succeed, to try. And, and they actually said that their confidence was okay once they got the opportunity to talk. So what we've seen with our app is that, you know, I, this is not to take away from everything that communication partners are doing because it's so important. Caregivers and communication partners are so helpful and our people we're wanting to support here too. But where a person with aphasia can communicate for themselves, just given the vocabulary, the opportunity to do it with the right supports, it's a beautiful thing to see that autonomy regained and experienced and get their their needs met immediately. Yes. Yes. So yes. I would like to talk about, if you don't mind, because mm -hmm. what really struck me when I met you at the conference, Hillary, and the conference I'm referring to is the Aphasia Access Conference that she and I, that's where we met. 
that was in North Carolina. Was it already March? Gosh, it feels like it was so long ago. Go back. It doesn't it doesn't. But that's where Hillary and I met. And I love the app immediately. So you painted a picture of somebody has a brand new stroke. They have aphasia and they don't know anything. Could a physician walk in the room with an iPad and make this start working? That's the goal. And it's it's much, much better than it was without. I, I'm not going to claim it's perfect, but the two, the two things are great about it. It has some simple aphasia education, which is so important for people to know what the heck happened to them and know why they're having these challenges. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing to be able to, to talk about that and show pictures as you're trying to explain what aphasia is and why they are dealing with aphasia. And then the other part is, yes, you could walk in with this app that introduces yourself, ask how are you, and go right to what are your current concerns. Mm-hmm. And of course, it doesn't work for everyone, but it works so much better than right. than not having it. Well, right. we're, we're not barring people. So communication is essential in healthcare in order to have access to healthcare, to have healthcare equity and equality. It's absolutely required. So if someone, like if a person's only barrier is that they speak a different language, it is um, our regulatory bodies demands that we provide effective communication in the way that works for the person in front of us. So what we, you know, there's always going to be a person that is limited to the extent by their um, communication challenges, maybe their ability to gesture, maybe their motoric difficulties to the extent that they might not be able to point. And we'll talk about another opportunity in a second that we have for people that can't use their hands. But um, but it, it's, you know, these this might be an exception where we use other strategies to be able to reach these people, but the, the vast majority would be able to use communication supports. We know that. So we're reaching the people that, that should have had it all along where we didn't as healthcare providers, we didn't have the tools to do that. So when they walk into the room, the healthcare provider should be able to put it in front of the person and it should work for them. And the education is in a aphasia-friendly, in, in, in aphasia-friendly manner so that it's accessible to the person with aphasia. Um, you know, one of the things I love, Dr. Nina Simmons-Mackey's book, Supporting Communication with Adults with Acute and Chronic Aphasia, and she talks about working with people with aphasia in the acute care setting that the primary goals there are the need to be able to communicate needs and concerns and then to learn about aphasia and related issues, to know what happened. Like as soon as I I have something happen to me, my first thought is, what happened to me? And so why? We, we, yeah, why, why is this happening? What is happening? And, you know, I met someone four years post stroke that didn't know that they had aphasia, what aphasia actually was. And so it's so essential in that first moment to let somebody know what happened and then to be able to support the, the communication of needs. So yes, our app can do that. There's always going to be people that need more support, but it can do that. You, you'd ask the question, could the doctor just walk in the room and, and go ahead and make this, make this work? I feel unprepared now if I don't have this with me because I find that, yes, of course it helps with aphasia. That was our goal. But it helps with hard of hearing people if you just, the hearing aids aren't cutting it. And it helps with some people that are nonverbal. I remember the first time I tried that, I was like, oh, it was, it was yeah, there's, there are so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like I, that's incredible. Uh, I, I see the application of nurses going bedside, you know, at the shift change, they walk in with the app and they, you know, do their assessment, you know, for what's necessary. And this app can facilitate that. Now, do hospitals, I've, I've, it's been a while since I've been in a hospital. I've been in the telepractice world for nine years. But prior to that, I'd spent plenty of time in my career. Are iPads common? in the hospitals these days? Um, iPad, well, yeah, like if a dietary is going into a room, they're bringing an iPad. Um, Doctors might be using their phone or, so iPads or devices are are common. Devices are all over. Yeah, all over the place. You know, most SLPs that I'm aware of bring an iPad into their sessions, things like that. So not everywhere might have it be part of their systems, but yes, they're often used. So that's why we wanted it to be something also that's easy to clean comparatively to, you know, other supports that you might bring in and out of a room. So we need to 
get the your device since it sounds like tablets are in most of the major medical centers probably mm -hmm. and probably most of them have them we need to get your app in front of these hospitals that's we that's, need that's to nice. get some advocates yeah. so i i do a lot of local networking and i've met some great discharge planners at some of the rehab hospitals in my area, you know, I'm meeting all sorts of people um, at these networking events. And that's why I'm so excited about this app. Like, I want to get this in front of people. But we had a question pop up and I'm going to I'm going to try this. OK, let's uh -huh. see if I can show. Here we go. So Lucy has a question. She's curious to know if this app might be covered by medical insurance. But let's talk a little bit about app apps you know all those kinds of details can you give us an idea so i'll tell you that that's sure. not something that we've um, that we've confronted we <laughs> yeah that we know really but it, like so we've partnered um, with a company that provides ipads as part of like accessing you know when accessing communication when their motoric deficits including the need for eye gaze right so they you know that's with forbes aac and they they might have something where that's covered through everything they're doing otherwise for that person, but the app alone right now isn't covered. Hopefully we can investigate something like yes. that. Yeah, down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll tell you, Hillary, when I got access to the app after we met, I, you, through Zoom, I plugged it into my computer and I shared my iPad screen mm -hmm. with one of my clients who's nonverbal. He's got significant apraxia that keeps him from talking and his wife and I it was so intuitive we walked straight through it and we came to the summary page and he was able to tell us that this pain had resolved or it was a lot better now or this new thing was bothering him and I thought my gosh that would have taken me a whole lot longer to get to and I know what I'm doing right yes yeah, we, right. we often use the phrase that's with the app Hillary can do in a few minutes what she would do in maybe 30 to 45. Yeah. And I, and I could do in five or 10 minutes what I could never do before. <laughs> right. And so now they're able to advocate for themselves and build that confidence and get their needs met and feel like they're a person. Yes. Instead of just the aphasia. So just being I, talked about. They could, yeah. They I'll could tell do. you, one of the first experiences that we had sharing the app with with the person with aphasia was actually a friend of both of ours and our, our friends, actually, the person with aphasia and their communication partner. They're both friends of ours. And um, this person had been dealing with some extreme pain, 10 out of 10 pain. Um, it was a significant change from their norm, was impacting mobility. They were going from provider to provider without answers. And we introduced this app just actually to help them. But the quickest way to get to them was over zoom so our first experience with like full, well i mean in the hospital we have but but we did experiences as a unit over zoom and so there's a little bit more going on when relaying what they're pointing to because i wasn't using the annotate feature which you've helped me to understand more about but but this person was able to express that they were having that 10 out of 10 pain, that it was stabbing that, you know, and to, to describe the onset, how long they've been experiencing it, exacerbating factors, all of those things using the app on his own. Like it was all him. And it was important because people with aphasia and other communication barriers often can't describe the pain that they're experiencing. They, we might not, we might know the severity in general by grimacing or other, maybe a pain scale use, things yeah, like know that. The location, we could location that but we don't know description and description leads you to what description's you, huge. Yeah. It, 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 it's so common after a stroke or brain injury to have neuropathic pain. So that would be the underlying assumption. It's probably a, you know, a numb burning type pain, but getting that description is tough. And if for this person, you know, we're taught kind of in the medical field, I think, to look at the most obvious answer first, right? Right. And so yeah. if somebody's having a 10 out of 10 pain, your probable assumption is neuropathic pain. In, in this situation. Yeah. But it didn't fit in his case. And yes. When he described his pain, it fit with an injury and he had actually broken his hip. So, you know, think about what the treatment would look like for neuropathic pain versus it what the, right. yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the other things like the onset, of course, is different. It didn't, mm -hmm. the onset wasn't around the time of the stroke. The onset was a few days ago. It's, yeah. you know, it was, um, 
So these are some things that we, we've we loved being able to see someone, one, regain their autonomy by being able to, I mean, he, he was pumped. Like he's in 10 out of 10 pain, but he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I mean, we were just so over. Oh, yeah. I, it, gives, it gives me chills. I, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's so rewarding. And then, but but so we know that people with communication barrier, facing communication barriers, including aphasia, are at a three times higher risk of adverse medical events. And that means inappropriate treatment, a delay in treatment, right. other things associated with that, which could even lead, can lead to very bad consequences, including possibility of death. And, you know, when somebody has the option to actually relay and communicate their problem clearly, this can be a huge step in the right direction toward having that equal access and limiting those, the risk for adverse medical events. I mean, we could get this where Jayco is like, you have to have this in your hospital, right? That, yeah. that, or something. Something like this. We, exactly. we really do want to do more in the way of, and we were talking about it before, meeting with the healthcare system. Right now, you know, our focus first was to get this into people's hands. Yes. So if it's not the medical provider, it's the communication partner, it's the nurse, it's the SLP, whoever, right. the person with aphasia themselves, whoever's going to use the thing to meet the needs of the person in front of it, you know, right. with aphasia, then that person needs it. So we focused a lot of our energy on getting the app created, yeah. improving it. Um, a lot of our energy right now has been about, you know, meeting more, like allowing communication of more concerns and and things like that. So now that we're almost done with that update, we'll, we will shift our, our focus um, toward getting into those yeah, systems. into healthcare systems. So that, mm -hmm. that really is the next. And thing. any support anybody wants to give us to that end, oh, well, we'll talk to anyone. We'll, we'll have lots of talks about that because it, it's got to get out there. Right. So I want to, I want to touch on the point. I kept harping on the hospitals because I, because I think that that's like First and foremost, that immediate need when somebody first has a stroke and they have aphasia. Mm -hmm. But just like my client that I worked on with it at home, the beauty of this is this is on the Apple store. Mm -hmm. It is an affordable app for what I know, the time, the hundreds, probably thousands of hours and the development cost. Apps are not cheap. I don't know if anybody out there in, in the world has any idea how expensive it is to develop an app, but your app is affordable. Yes, it's a little bit of an investment, but anyone can download it from the Apple store and soon to be on Google Play. So it's coming to Android. You have a light version coming because I have a couple of comments that are that are popping up here let me pop up another okay. comment here from okay. from keisha and that's what oh, i was trying to answer yeah. so excellent go for it so i'm not sure if the spouse is the person with or without aphasia but either way either person can pick up the app and start to use it the app starts with the introduction which you don't need if you're your own spouse you know that but then you move on to how are you question which would be appropriate mm -hmm. and from how are you it takes you to any concern so either person can try to pick it up and then point to how are you and move to concerns our goal was again to to make communication accessible and our first thought was that healthcare provider because of the lack of training but the the way you use it with a spouse is the exact same way a healthcare provider would use it. I, I opened the app and I put it in front of my spouse. Hi, yeah. spouse. And and I and I like, what's wrong? Sure. You know, and he would be able to then point to the concern that's bothering him. And we would the app moves you forward with every selection you make. And it would be the exact same way that any of us would use it in the healthcare setting. And two of the great things about having the app with the spouse is the whiteboard feature, which you can save, and the summary, which you can save. Mm -hmm. So, so we all know with our loved ones, there's ongoing conversations, and you can come. You don't have to recreate. You can go back to what you saved and modify or move forward or go from there. And that's really important. We know we don't like to throw away paper when we use communication supports because that's something you've already worked hard on being able to communicate. If you're a person with aphasia, you've already done all that work and you might want to go back to that to, to initiate another discussion about it. So you can go back to those saved whiteboards, saved summary pages. But but yeah, it's as yeah. it's 
intuitive for all users. So a person with a person whose spouse has aphasia, they just put it in front of them and, um, and, the, and the, the person with aphasia would press the buttons and be led through. And so the spouse would sit there and provide any support that's necessary. But typically what we see, um, depending on severity, is that they get to watch. Yeah, but, yeah, but vice versa works too. I mean, mm-hmm. once both people know you have this app, you know, if the person with aphasia has a medical related issue, they can just pull up the app and show their spouse, hey, this is yes. what's bugging me. This is what I want to go, go figure out. So a nice thing, something that I do in my sessions is train the person I'm working with and their communication partners, but to, to help that person get it, access their app. So one thing a spouse might do is make sure that the app is accessible to their loved one. Uh, So you can practice having your spouse turn it on, find the app, pull it up. That would be a really great thing that would increase their access to um, expressing their medical concerns using the app. Yeah, that's the same thing. Anything with technology, right? We have to make it so i would definitely make sure the med concern i would crease the clutter on the home page make sure your person knows how to always there it is see yours is better than mine look at that Um, (laughs) well you know clean off off the home page that your person with a patient knows how to swipe up and if they swipe up twice it automatically defaults to the home page the Med Concerns app can be right there or any other apps they use directly for communication. That their password is something that's accessible to them, oh. not difficult to, to use. We know right. the passwords can be such yeah. a problem. But yeah, when you, when they open the app, uh, it, they would just be okay. able to press, you know, whatever's in front of I didn't press the right button here. Would they yeah, be I able know. to? Oh, it's because I'm on the beta version. Yeah. Don't look now. Oh, gotcha. um, but, ignore, you know, whatever. Ignore. <laughs> ignore, ignore. But yeah, you might be able to get a little sneak peek at all the other concerns yeah. that are here. Woo. Yeah. But they press the concern and it moves through the app. The other nice thing about your own version is you can adjust how many icons are on the screen at once. Mm-hmm. And if you're. I love that. And if you're a person that just needs one or two in your visual field, you can have it preset that way or whatever right. makes most sense for you and just leave it with whatever setting makes sense. So he's referring, and I think mine is mirrored and I apologize, but he's referring oh, to the settings that. page. Mm-hmm. On the on the drop-down menu, it, the settings is the first icon on the drop-down menu. So you would click that and that would take you to this page where you can select how many icons on the screen or on the screen at once. We know that sometimes like that distraction, it's not as aphasia friendly to have two. The person might need one for their particular experience with aphasia and visual deficits. So we wanted to make that accessible. We also wanted to make it so that if they need to zoom, they can. So maybe the print is more accessible by zooming. That's that's a possibility. But on the settings page too, coming with that next update, you'll be able to uh, decide which concerns you want to be shown. Let's say you don't have any problems with hearing, you don't have a trach, you don't have a peg, all those things, you can hide those. Uh, and so it's it's even more personalized. Specific providers can hide the things that they're not asking about. Let's say they're a specialist in some area. Um, we also have our needs board is being significantly expanded so that think about a communication board that you'd use, but it's more interactive. Uh, you can also, now that it's so much more expanded, you'd probably like to eliminate some possibilities to make it more accessible. And we allow you to customize it too on this update that's coming. Yeah. And since we're talking about settings, two of the mm-hmm. basics don't want to ignore. It says male and female, both because it changes the body picture for pain issues, but also changes the voice. We've all been able to see the pictures and see the words, but the, the app has a voice too. So whenever you press something, you hear, see, and read. So we're layering those different modalities. Yeah. Um, in addition, if you happen to be Spanish speaking, we've got that option. And more languages to come. But you know what's been really neat about the app is that I've seen people use it. And Dr. Richmond's even talked about using it with multilingual populations who maybe the interpreter's not in the room yet. And they need to express a concern right here, right now. Well, pictures are the universal language, you know, for many of us. And so being able to, um, or if you have some basic English or something, the the layering of those modalities supports even a person that doesn't speak that as their primary language. I have do not disturb on, but my iPad <laughs> rang. So yeah, I, I actually ran out of time. I was going to Google, how do I turn off the ringer on the iPad? Because there's not that little I know switch like you have on your phone. Yeah, it drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, so I've got some comments. I I want to throw yeah. up 
Great. Let's see if I can do. Let's see. We got chat overlay. I'm so impressed with all of your texts. Yes, oh, I, I'm trying. Okay, you. Okay, Aww. so okay, folks, if you're there, new comments will show on that side. But aphasia cheerleader. Uh, this <laughs> is my assistant. She is an aphasia cheerleader, and really? she is here for the community, and she loves that you guys have thought of everything in this app. We're trying. Thank you. Well, that's, you. I think, the combo of a provider, of a, a physician and an SLP. We really get to bring a lot of different experiences together. Yeah, so that's very appreciated. Brilliant. And different backgrounds really come together nice. Yes. So I'm going to drop off that overlay. And he, David has a question. And we did cover it, but let's be respectfully sure. redundant. Is yeah. there a free trial of the app? Tell us again about that. Our developer is like, let's get this out the door soon. So we are in the, like literally the final, final. days of correcting any minor edits and then it will go live. Live takes a few days, but the trial version, the it's called L-I-T-E Light Med Concerns is going to be available very soon. It's just not available right now, but it should be in the next week or so. We keep thinking in the next week. It should be very soon. <laughs> and on the light version, you get to see exactly how that works. You get to play with it. It's obviously a light version, so it's a limited version, mm -hmm. but it gives you a, a clear sense of how it works and how you could work with it. So I'll and show this is you a beta version of the light version. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> if anything weird happens, just know that. But the light system. version has some available just so you can see right. the flow. Right. Mm -hmm. Other things are great out. You can see what they are, but you can't use them because it's like right. So you can test out some of these things, but you'd certainly be able to see: is this accessible for my spouse, for my loved one, or for myself yeah. if I'm using it? Mm -hmm. So we so have coming soon is the answer. Wonderful. Uh, let's see. We've got a question here from Vicky is asking: Is it a one-time fee, or are there in-app purchases? No distractions, one-time one -time fee, none of those distracting in-app purchases. Mm -mm. Yeah, simple. One time we wanted it to be accessible and we were concerned that a subscription might change that for people or confuse things. And like he said, distract. So one time and then you have access to all the updates. We recommend that you set your device to automatically update so you can get those without having to miss it because you didn't go in manually. Mm -hmm. So one time it's a $49.99 fee. You know, for, I think it's priceless. I mean, truly for what you get with this app. Can we touch on a little bit of the mental health component of the sure. app? Because it's, yes. it's not just about your bowels and your bladder and pain. You also yeah. address some mental health concerns. Can you talk about there's, that? There's two parts to that. I mean, first, I think you're referring to, we have a whole emotion section, which we'll talk about in a second. But before that, I'm sure everyone dealing with aphasia knows how challenging it is just to be part of the conversation and, and psychologically Invited. to be a participant in your own care. And, and, that's, and I think that's a big part of what we're trying to do is help people get back into life. And, and to recognize that a stroke itself is traumatic and then to, have, to lose the communication ability to even... Emote, to vent, to describe what you're experiencing, that's a second trauma. So, um, and we know in the aphasia community how important it is that we support mental health because mental health is very under um, supported in people with aphasia. So we, we wanted them to be able to communicate their emotional experience using, so one of the concerns is emotions and feelings. And we also have education that, that's, touches on that as well, and more education to come about the emotional aspect of um, having aphasia so that the person kind of understands that what they're going through is normal, and here's some things that might be able to help you, and, and allows an opportunity to communicate what they're experiencing so they're not alone with it. And with the emotions, feelings section, of course, there's the subsection, you know, there's grief, depression, anger, frustration, all those kind of things, and others, which are common problems and big problems, which are often under-addressed. Yeah. There's been research for years about depression after heart attacks and how treating that depression helps people recover better. Mm -hmm. And there's starting to be research about that after stroke, which makes sense. Depression is really common after stroke and treating that, I think the research is still pending, but I'm sure it's going to help recovery. Well, one of the things I was reading in Brooke Hollowell has her textbook, which I love. She talks about that the, the evidence that's out there is two thirds of people with aphasia have depression. Mm. 
but that you know that the research is very limited in that's actually occurred because of pe- people with aphasia not necessarily being part of research as we know so they she said in there and I'm not going to quote I'll paraphrase is that anyone who's in, been in the aphasia field for long can tell you that it's probably more like 100% of people with aphasia have mental health concerns and including depression because it's a disease of isolation. Yes. And so we we want to help at least you know we can't do much and we want to we there's so many more things we need to do for people with aphasia in that realm but we want to at least support your ability to communicate those concerns because they are as much if not more of a concern at times than something physical. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. And the the more we can give families and friends and neighbors access to this communication tool, just to show them what is possible for mm-hmm. uh, finding that connection, having a relationship, expressing our folks with aphasia want to do more than just express their wants and needs. They want they want to be part the of the thing. I mean, and, and why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't yeah, they sure. get it back? And I think this app is just, it's a huge step in that direction of decreasing isolation, making people with aphasia feel like they're heard, getting their pains addressed, getting their depression addressed. Yeah, I would highly recommend if you have this with your spouse or your the person that you're working with as a communication partner in some way, that you maybe practice a little bit and then take it to the next CP or the primary care physician uh, appointment because we know that time is sometimes short and that shortened time for appointments can be very stressful for somebody with communication challenges. So using the app should make that a lot easier, but having a little practice before you go in there too will make you even feel a little bit more comfortable and not have stress impact more. So, but take it into those appointments, take your voice with you, you know, and that's a, so. Take your and, voice with you. Yeah, yes. I like I mean, that. That's just... a new tagline, by the way. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> put that down. Put that down somewhere. So I and I'm I'm envisioning that doctor's appointment, right? Because you go to your yeah. physician's office, you get seven minutes. So yeah. a right. lot of work and can be done beforehand. Yeah. Right. If you've gone through the app with your with your communication partner, you know what you want to say so much better than you trying to figure out right there. Because for all of us preparing for those appointments ahead of time makes them so much more effective. And yeah, they're stressful, they're time constrained. And so maybe you do this at home with your loved one and you just bring in the summary page. That's right. You know, so you don't necessarily need to do the whole thing, but just bring in the summary page. And also just having a communication support with you kind of lets people know I need to pay attention to what you're saying Um, instead of, you know, like just kind of I'm sitting there as a person with aphasia and I'm being uh, maybe missed because communicating with my communication partner or caregiver is a little bit more, it's easier for the healthcare provider. When I have something that says, no, it's mine, I'm going to communicate my own things. Sometimes it kind of alerts us healthcare providers to know, like to pay attention to you. You have a way that you're wanting to communicate. You've prepared for this. I I need to not just talk to your caregiver or communication partner. We have one more question. We're going to wrap it up because I don't know about you guys, but I got people to torture after we're done here. Uh, that's, that's, my word. that's my word. You know, I say it laughingly, but they keep coming back. So they must like it. Thank so. You. <laughs> so one more question from Adam. He wants to know if the app offers not only medical concerns, but the ability to tell someone you're sad, that you love them or simply say thank you. Those are wonderful thoughts. It does allow you to tell somebody you're sad. I love the, I love you and thank you. And that's something we can consider for the communication. We have the communication board pretty much that's embedded, but it's interactive. So if you hit, uh, I'm just going to bring that up really quickly. If you hit the communication or the needs board, excuse me, uh, things like this are on there with icons and you can go through and select what you want. It makes sense that we, we can consider adding something like that because those simple niceties are very important for people to want to be able to say, to participate. And of course, just help yeah, I mean, people with so, You can't, you can't have if, absolutely everything, you know, right out of the gate. But, but we do have the whiteboard so you can add whatever you want. Nice. That's true. 
That's you, true. And you could type or draw or even emoji, which is some people's favorites. So if somebody helps you write I love you in the whiteboard and saves it and thank you in the whiteboard, all you have to do is go to your saved whiteboard and you can touch that. You can make personalized messages like that. And you can use any image within the app to do so too. You can write and text on there and use emojis. We That's love right. emojis. Yeah. I mean, I could see, I can see a client doing, using the whiteboard with their grandchild and they could, you know, it could be a fun, oh my gosh, just so many possibilities. And I'm so sorry. It's just the topic board uh, guiding communication with your healthcare provider. I know if I was in the hospital, I'd, I'd have lots of things I want to talk about. How am I going to get my needs met? How, how am I going to raise my children? I have this thing happening. Where am I going after this? You know, so many people are allowed or, or enabled to participate in those communications. So they can guide those by selecting that topic in another board that's within the app. So just wanted to throw that in there. I know we need to go, but it's important um, to, for everybody. I'm assuming that there's a video about that with some of these subtle things that are built into the app on your YouTube channel. Is that where we can? There it is coming <laughs> because you had a good idea. <laughs> I know, right? Just... Coming soon. I know. Thanks, no, I hear you. We, we do as yeah, much as we can. <laughs> Yeah. That's right. We love ideas, by the way, from everyone. We'll incorporate what we can. We've this is definitely a project from the heart and yes. um, and it definitely feels like that feels is like a that labor is, of and love. It, and it keeps growing. Yeah, it keeps growing. Um we want to if you have something that you'd like, you know, a video or something, we'd like to do that. We, we're, it's hard to think of all those things on the, you know, as we go. So yeah. please share with us. You can email us at info at the bottom there, info at communicationrescue.com. So it's info at communicationrescue.com with any of your thoughts and perspectives, guidance, feedback, anything. We'd love to hear from you. I think it's Thank great. Thank you so much. It'd be wonderful. And that QR code, I did get verification, I think from Molly earlier that she followed that QR code and, and it works everybody. So, so absolutely. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that cool? So absolutely check it out. So I, Ooh, I don't like that view. I don't know why I keep selecting it. Okay. There we go. That feels a, little bit a little less tight. And Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. And for coming thank out you. with this. Thank you for having us. We are really grateful for your pleasure. support too, Genevieve. And it's it's wonderful to have an opportunity to share about it. And especially from someone who is doing so much with the aphasia community. Thank you. Well, we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and we're going to get there. But entrepreneurs yeah. like yourselves where you saw the need and you did something about it. So cool. So cool. All right. We got our outro. Isn't that a funny word? It's an, it's called an outro. Yes. <laughs> Hillary and Steve, you hang on and we're going to say goodbye to everybody else. Be right back to you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week. <laughs>